All right, Rebbe, say good morning. Good morning. Let us let us begin. First, I want to begin by thanking Rebbe Kalman Akiva for giving shir yesterday, wonderful shir yesterday. A thank you to our sponsors for this morning shir. To thank our Tamatora sponsors for the month of Adar Beis. To thank Leia Soul for dedicating all of the shiurim and drushos this month in honor of all those who work so hard to make the shul a special place. What a beautiful dedication. Our Dafyomi sponsor today, Bob Imes, in commemoration of the Arzite of his brother, David Ben Yaakov Zichorn Lebracha, and also a shout out to his study partner, to his Chavrusa, another member of our Shir, Doug Stanger. We thank Bob for his, for his sponsorship, the Neshamashtav Naliyah, and the family Einachama. And also with that, let us begin. Today's Daf is Daf Chav Gimel. I know you got a little bit further down on Chav Gimel, a couple of lines, but let's just actually back up just to the two Daf. On This way we'll just begin the sugya from anew, keep the flow going. So we left off, so again, we left off with the following idea. So remember, we saw the case that one of the interesting distinctions in Mishnah between Truma and between Kodesh is that if a person is carrying Medris, so remember again, we've defined Medris as Tuma that comes about as a result of a Zav supporting his weight on something. So the, the example that Rashi gave in the, in the Mishnah, and we'll see why Rashi gave this example, because the example of the Gemara is the shoe of a Zav, right? So a Zav obviously supports his weight in his shoe. As a result, ultimately, again, the shoe is Tami Tumas Medris. So therefore, the Mishnah said that if a person go, is going ahead and carrying something which has Tumas Medris, he can carry Truma, but he cannot carry Kodesh. So the Gemara says, Kodesh, my time alone. Why can't you carry Kodesh? So the Gemara says something amazing. Because of a particular story which occurred. There's a story of a person who was carrying a barrel of wine, which was Kodesh, right? So again, remember again, Kodesh, Kodesh refers to any item which has sacrificial sanctity. So he was carrying a barrel of wine, which was Kodesh, top of Chav Gimel, v'nifsika ritzua shal sandalo, and the strap of his sandal snapped, v'notla, so therefore, what happened? If, you, if your strap of your sandal snaps, you can't wear the sandal. You have no choice but to carry it. So v'natla, v'henicha apichavis. And he placed it on top of a barrel. Now remember again, this was the barrel in which he was carrying Kodesh wine. Now we'll say a couple of things over. Look at Rashi. Rashi says, So obviously again, this sandal was Tumas Medris. And I was suggesting to understand what the intention was and what happened. Because sometimes in life it's very important to know. We start out with certain intentions, good intentions. Those intentions don't materialize. And in fact, they end up causing, not the intentions, but the actions. I would say often the most difficult thing in life is when your, action, is when your intentions don't cause the intended Reactions or your intentions don't cause the intended results. That's, that's often the great challenge in life. So in this case over here, this guy has good intentions. His intentions are to go ahead and place the shoe on top of the barrel. Now Tosis points out, we have to be talking about what kind of barrel? An earthenware barrel. Why does it have to be an earthenware barrel? Because an earthenware barrel only becomes tummy 
from the interior, not from the exterior. So it must have been the following case. He has an earthenware barrel, right? And therefore, again, his goal is to place the shoe on top of the barrel. No problem, right? Because even though the shoe is Tamei Tumas Medris, ultimately earthenware klicheres only becomes Tamei Me'aviro, from the interior airspace. So keep the shoe on top of the barrel. This way I could transport the shoe. The wine inside the barrel becomes to- is totally fine. So what happened? Of course, again, what ends up happening? The shoe slips to the interior of the barrel. Whether the shoe falls into the wine or whether the shoe just is hanging in the airspace is the same thing. Once it's in the airspace of a klicheres, the contents of the klicheres become tame. So therefore, I will say, so what ended up happening is, well-meaning guy, well-intentioned guy, wanted to be careful, ultimately, again, with the wine inside of the klicheres, shoe slips inside, wine becomes tame. So I will say, something fascinating happens here. But also, Shah Amru, in that moment, Chazal were gozer. And what was the gzera? What did they say? Hanosi es hamedris, nosi es truma, avalo es hakodesh. So I will say, in that moment, they made a decree. What was the decree? That if you're carrying an item that has Tumas Medris, you can go ahead and carry along with it Truma, but you cannot go ahead and carry along with it Kodesh. So I will say, this, this was their Gzeira. They will say, what's fascinating about this is, that remember again, it sounds like from the Gemara, how many times did this happen? Right? Now, I'm sure it happened more than once. Sure have one. But it wasn't like everyone and their brother was dropping their tummy, you know, their tummy shoe into a barrel of Kodesh wine. Right? So, was, remember, the thing to remember with all of this is as follows, which is that you, clear, you, you see clear that the theme here is that Chazal go the extra mile in preserving the sanctity and holiness of Kodesh. This is all, right? This whole sugya is about Chumras regarding Kodesh that we take to preserve the sanctity. As we said again two days ago, the holier something is, the more sensitive it is to Tumah. The holier something is, the more precautions we take to maintain its proper sanctity. So the Gemara says, okay, I understand, I understand the Gzera, so why not go ahead and also include Truma? In other words, why don't you say that Halacha same way that you can't carry something that has, tame, that has Tumas Medris, Along with Kodesh, you also can't carry something that has Tumas Medris along with Truma, right? To which the Gemara says, Hamani Rebos, this is absolutely fascinating. Because whose opinion does this reflect? Rabbi Hananya ben Akavyohi. This is Rabbi Hananya ben Akavya. The Rebos say, now what does Rabbi Hananya ben Akavya say? Da Amr lo asru ella biyardin u besfino kishemaise shahaya. Because Rabbi Hananya ben Akavya holds that they were only goes there on a boat, on the Jordan River, just like what occurred. Okay, what, what are you talking about? Maihi. So, so before we go on, just take a quick look at Rashi, because Rashi helps to frame this. Rabbi Hanani ben Akavya, Do'amar komokom shegazru chachamim al-davar maisa, shahaya, oh, sorry, komokom shegazru, komokom shegazru chachamim al-davar al-maisa shahaya, lo gazru ele ki dugmas ha-maisa u ki osadavar. Says something which is so fascinating, which seems to normally fly in the face of the way we see how Chazal legislate their laws. Rabbi Hanani ibn Akavya said that when Chazal make a law, they only make their law 
to mimic and to mirror the exact scenario which gave rise to the problem. They both say, why is this fascinating? This is fascinating because generally we like to think that when Chazal institute a halacha, they institute it in what we call a low plug. Low plug means we don't distinguish between this case and that case. We create a halacha, create a framework, and the framework applies. Rabbi Hanan Yibn Akavi has a different, has an alternate version of this. And in his version, no. Chazal only make halachas or gzeros regarding specific scenarios, and therefore their gzeros only apply to specific scenarios. We'll tie this back in just a moment, but where does Rabbi Chalanya Ben say this? Listen to this. Bose, this is such a fascinating case. So listen to this. A person should not carry mechatos. Remember again, mechatos is the actual mixture of war, of ashes of paraduma with the spring water. Eferchatos refers to the ashes of the paraduma. A person should not carry these items, right? Should not carry them across the Jordan River or in a boat. Nor should you take ashes of paraduma or water paraduma and throw it from one bank of the river to another bank of the river. Nor should you allow, float them across the water. You also shouldn't put paraduma, water or ashes, on the back of an animal. Nor on the back of your friend. We'll say, rather, again, the Tanakam, the first opinion, says over here, the only way to transport ashes or water of paraduma is with your own koach and with your feet planted on the ground. All right. But what can you do? You could transport paraduma, paraphernalia, right? Either, again, water or ashes over a bridge. So by the way, why does that have to add in the bridge? Because technically speaking, the bridge is that my feet planted on the ground, right? On one hand, again, it's going over the air, right? It's, 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 it's a bridge, right? But Lemaisa, the Tanakama says, no, that's called having your feet firmly planted on the ground. And I'll say this gzera applies both to the Jordan River as well as to any other body of water. Now take a look at Rashi. We'll say, now we're going to get into it in just a moment, but we're going to see that there was an episode where something happened with para aduma ashes on a boat. Okay, that's, that's, the, that's the story. We'll see it in more, with greater specificity in just a moment. Tanakama says, therefore, what emerged from that story, which we'll see in just a moment, is Chazal said, when transporting para aduma water or para aduma ashes, you have to transport it in a way where your feet are firmly planted on the ground. See, you can't float it, you can't take it on a boat, doesn't matter what body of water, right? The biggest thing you could, you can't put it on the back of an animal, even on the back of your friend. You have to transport it yourself with your feet firmly planted on the ground. Okay, we'll come back to the sheet in just a moment. The Gemara says, Rabbi Hanan ben Akavi Omer, Rabbi Hanan Akavi says, no. Lo asru ella biyardin, Rabbi Hananiah ben Akavia says, no, the only thing that's usher is you can't transport water or ashes of para aduma on a boat across the Jordan River. That's the only thing you can't do. 
on a boat across the Jordan River. So in other words, you want to put it on the back of an animal, you put it on the back of an animal. You want to go ahead and put it on a boat, take it on a boat across uh, the Indian Ocean, that you could do. You just can't do it on a boat across the Jordan River. Now both say, so intriguing. What, what happened, right? That's what we want to know. What happened over here? So say, watch this. So the Gemara says, my Maise Shahaya. What was the story, right? What is it? What is it that occurred? My Maise Shahaya. Then Rav Yehudam Rav, listen to this. Maisa ba'adam echad, shaya ma'avir mechatas, ve'efer chatas biyardin abisvina. One time there was a guy, we'll just call him Ruvain. So Ruvain is going ahead and transporting water or ashes of Para Aduma. And what happened? He was transporting it on the Jordan River, Biyardin Ubisfina, and on a boat. And what happened? Vinimtsa Kizayis Mais Tachov Bekarki Isa Shel Safina. And what did they find? They found the Kizayis of a corpse on the bottom of the ship. It happens, right? It happens. So, 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 now, so now what happened? So now we have a real problem. What's the problem? They just found the kizayis of a mace, right? And remember again, a kizayis of a mace has the ability to convey tumas mace, right? Avi avos hatoma, which now means the entire paraduma invalid, invalid, which I will say is a very, very, very big deal. A very big deal. Because remember again, water, ashes, when, by the way, when I say water, water is the mixture of the water and the ashes versus the ashes by themselves before being mixed with the water. Remember again, we all know that para aduma is a rare commodity. So a notion of a batch of para aduma becoming invalid because of contact with corpse tuma is a major issue. So therefore I will say, what happened? What happened now again? This is a singular story. Right? This sounds like it happened how many times? How many times? Once. But nevertheless, there's a reason why it happened once. In that moment, they legislated that a person is not permitted to go ahead and transport the ashes of Para Aduma and about on the Jordan River. So, I'll say, so let's pause here for just a moment. So now look, look what, let's, let's take a step back and look what's happened over here. How do we start, right? How do we start this journey? The Mishnah told us that Allah Ma'isa, I am not permitted to transport an item that has Tumas Medris together with carrying Kodesh, right? So if I'm carrying Kodesh, I'm carrying an item of sacrificial sanctity, I cannot go ahead and carry the shoe of a Zav. Just to give a simple example, Tumas Medris. Okay, to which the Gemara says, why not? Why not? The Gemara says, because there was a story. There was the guy. What did the guy do? He was carrying a bottle of Kodesh wine. His sandal snapped. He had a sandal that was Tamei Tomas Medris. Again, remember, he didn't impact the Kodesh wine. Why didn't he impact the Kodesh wine? Let's get all the facts here. Why didn't he impact the Kodesh wine? Because remember, not, not simply because it was closed, because closed is not enough. What was the barrel made of? Earthenware, cheres. Remember again, cheres only becomes tame from its avir, from its interior airspace, not externally. So you could be tame Tomas Medris, still transporting that barrel and everything is fine. Sandal snaps, he puts the sandal on top of the barrel, still everything fine. What happened? Sandal falls in. Sandal falls in, whether it fell into the wine, into the airspace, it doesn't matter, it's the same thing. Sandal falls into the airspace of the barrel, now the kodesh becomes tame. In that moment, they said that you can't carry Tomas Medris together with Kodesh. To which again, the Gemara says, I, so why not Truma also? 
to Rosh So now we understand to which the Gemara says, because this Mishnah reflects the view of Rabbi Hananya ben Akavya. What does Rabbi Hananya ben Akavya say? Every single time Chazal were Gozer, because of a particular situation, they only applied their Gzera to what? To what? To the exact same situation. Where is the sheet of Rabbi Hanan Yibn Akavya from? Paraduma. Because Rabbi Hanan Yibn Akavya said there was the story. Everybody agrees with the story. The guy transporting ashes of Paraduma, it turned on a boat on the Jordan River. There's a Kizayis of mace in the boat, whole batch is tummy. At that point, from that, Rabbi Hanan, so again, the, the Tanakhama said, from that point in time, Chazal said, you can't transport ashes of Paraduma without your feet firmly planted on the ground. So you can't put it on a boat on any river. You can't put it on the back of an animal. Rabbi Hanayim Yenakavi said, no, the Gzira only applies to the same exact case. So what can't you do with waters of Paraduma? You can't take them on a boat in the Jordan River. So our Mishnah reflects the Rabbi Hanani ben Akavya and says that what can't you carry with Tumas Medris? Only Kodesh. Only Kodesh. It just doesn't apply to Truma because ultimately the story happened with Kodesh and not with Truma. Good. Rabbi say that's the full circle. It is interesting, Rabbi say if you think about it, that in the, in the sheet of the Chachamim, of the Tanakhama, by the Paratuma case, what do they say? You can't, the Lashnir is so profound, you can't transport the ashes of the Paraduma and the Imkin Raglov Nogos Bekarka. Unless, of course, your feet are firmly planted on the ground. And I will say, what an incredible metaphor for life as well. Paraduma represents Tara, represents purity. You cannot go ahead and achieve a level of purity unless your feet are firmly planted on the ground. Unless, of course, I have a real plan for life. Unless, of course, I have a real vision. Unless, of course, I have a real derech. Right? If my, if, my, if my feet are firmly planted on the ground, I can achieve tara. I can achieve a high level of purity, a high level of accomplishment. But if I'm floating around, right? I'm on boats, I'm on water, I'm on the back of animals. My, my, my feet are not firmly planted. It's impossible to reach a level of Tara. Such an incredible yisod. So the Gemara goes right there. Sandal Tame, Sandal Tar, Mahu, Chavis Psucha, Chavis Stuma, Mahu. So we'll say, now some interesting, so the Gemara now gives some variations. Look at Rashi. Ibailu Sandal Tame, Hada Amrit the Gazra Love, Shalo Yisa Kodesh Imo, Sandal Tar Mai. Mi gazer sandal tar atu tamirolo. So we'll say, seriously interesting, Shaila. We now know that the gzera ultimately is about a sandal tame. But is there an issue about resting any sandal on top of a barrel? Right? In other words, we should just make a gzera. You shouldn't, you shouldn't rest a sandal on top of a barrel of anything, or at least a barrel of kodesh. Right? Chavis psucha, chavis tuma. Now remember again, in the story in question, in the story in question, the item fell into the barrel. So halacha l'maisa, halacha l'maisa, we know that the gzira will be on an open barrel. What about on a closed barrel? So you will say, obviously, in the story that happened, there must have been an open barrel. Because if it was a closed barrel, the sandal would have never fallen in. So we're just asking, how far does the gzira apply? Right? If at the end of the day, the sandal is not tame, did Chazal say you just can't put any sandal on the barrel? Or what happens again if the barrel is closed? If the barrel is closed... Right, where there's no concern that the sandal's going to fall in. Can you put the sandal on top of the barrel? So now, Rabbi Ila Amar, Im Avravinas, I'm sorry, uh, skipped. Avravinas, Amahu. We'll say, what happens? What about the following case? What happens 
if you're in violation of the gzera. So I will say the gzera, as we know it, is that halacha lemaisa. You can't take, you can't take, you can't hold Tomas Medris together with Kodesh. What happens if you did? What happens if you did? Now, let's say in your case, you were careful that the tummy item never came in contact with the wine or the interior of the barrel, but, but you violated the edict of Chazal. So what's the status of your Kodesh? So we'll say, interestingly enough, the Gemara only answers the last one. Rabbi Ila Amar, im avar venasa tame. Rabbi Ila says, if you violated the edict of Chazal, ultimately, again, your Kodesh is automatically rendered tame. Elis midrabanon. Rabbi Zera Amar Avar Venosatar. Rabbi Zera says, No, as much as Chazal said, we do not want you carrying Tumas Medras together with Kodesh, but if you did it, if you did it, and again, the Tame item never entered the interior of the barrel, then Halacha Lamaisa, your Kodesh will remain tar. Now, I'll say that is how the Rambam Paskins, that although there is a rabbinic gezira not to carry tame, an item that is Tame Tumas Medras together with Kodesh, at the end of the day, if you did so, and there was no interior contact, your Kodesh remains star. Incredible. Kalim hadigmarim betara. So remember again, the next part of the Mishnah was, this is all really fascinating cases. This was if you have utensils that were finished in a state of ritual purity. Right? So So again, in this case over here, the Kli was completed in a state of Tara, which means I was careful, Bepashtos, that it should not come in contact with any source of Tomo, it still requires immersion before being used for Kodesh. Before being used for Kodesh, right? Um, yeah, Good. So we'll say, let's analyze. So we'll say, let's analyze this, because this is a strange case. Because we'll say, think about this for just a moment. What the Mishnah is saying is, I'm making a Kli, and I've been careful with it. I've been careful with the kli from the moment that it was finished. Because remember again, a kli only becomes receptive to tumah when? When? When it's completed. Right? Before it's completed, it's not receptive to tumah. So I've been careful with this kli from the moment it's been completed. So therefore, it's never come in contact with any type of tumah. Yet you still have to immerse it before using it for kodesh. So the Gemara says, I don't understand. The Gemara man, who's finishing the kli? If you're telling me that a chaver, who's someone who is vigilant with Tumantara, finished the Kli, why would it require immersion? Rather, it has to mean that an Amaaretz finished the Kli. If an Amaaretz finished the Kli, is that called being completed in Tara? Right? Remember, again, this whole sugi is all about, again, the fact that Amaaretz is not careful with Tomantara. So that couldn't be called Nigbar Mantara. Amra Barshila, Amra Master, Amr Shmoli, Olam, Digamrinu Chaver. But this is fascinating. What's the case? The case is where a Chaver finished it. So I will say, this is interesting. So a Chaver, right? Chaver is someone who is well versed in the halachos of Tomantara. So a Chaver finished the Kli. And he's been guarding, literally, he watched the Kli to make sure that it doesn't come in contact with any type of Tomah. I, if that's the case, then why does it require immersion before being used for Kodesh? Listen to this. What are we concerned about? We're concerned about maybe some saliva, right? Some spittle, some saliva of an Amaaretz that may have fallen on the Kli as it was being fashioned, right? As it was being fashioned. Now watch this. To which the Gemara says, Amos. So the Nafal Amos. Right? So ultimately, again, when, when did the saliva fall again? I will say, I remember again, what's the problem with saliva? What's the problem with saliva? 
Well, saliva of an Amaaretz is tame, because an Amaaretz himself generally is treated to a certain degree almost like a Zav, right? So therefore, again, his saliva is going to be tame as well. So let's analyze this. When is, when is his saliva problematic? Or I should say, when is his saliva falling on the clean? So, ilema mikame deligmere, if you want to say it fell on the clee before the clee was completed, so the Gemara says, ha, lav manahu, that's not a problem. Because what we just said before, a clee is only receptive to tumah when? When it's completed. So if you have saliva of an amaris that falls on a clee before the clee was completed, that's not a problem at all. Ella, basr digamre. Rather, it must be the saliva fell on the clee after the clee was completed. That can't be either, because misir zahirbu. But remember again, if, if you have a chavar who's making this clean, the chavar is careful about what? Ama aret saliva. Right? He's care- In other words, again, I will say, that's what it means to be a chavar. Right? If you're a chavar, you're careful with this stuff. So it can't be that he's just going to allow the saliva of an ama aret on it. But say, to which the Gemara said, the olam mikhamei Rather, what's the case? The case is where there's the possibility that the saliva fell on the kli before the kli was before the kli was completed. The dilma beidna de gamre adayin lochihi. Ah, I will say we, we reminisce of what we had two days ago, right by the right by the case of the woman who was fashioning the kli as well. What are we concerned about? The saliva. See, I will say before the kli is completed, and the chaver doesn't have to be as vigilant guarding the kli from an amaaretz for one simple reason: the kli is not ready the kabel tuma before it's completed. But maybe some saliva of the Amaaretz. So we'll say, I mean, you think about this, by the way. Just like when a person speaks, some saliva comes out. So ultimately, again, it could be the case where but the Kli was not fully formed. Some of the saliva of the Amaaretz got onto the Kli, got onto the Kli, and it was still moist at the time that the Kli was completed. And I both say that could be a potential problem. Now, again, I both say, to be clear, Understand, the only situation in which Rechoshesh for this is where? Is where? Kodesh. So again, remember that's the common theme over here. This entire Mishnah is all about Chumras for Kodesh. And that's exactly what they are. They're Chumras. Right? They are heightened levels of, of behavior that we are obligated to, to exhibit or to engage in for the sake of items of highest sacrificial sanctity. But again, that's exactly what this is. Even, even for truma, this doesn't apply. Right? So remember again, a cleave for truma, all you need to do is just immerse it and just use it. It's only for Kodesh that ultimately I'm obligated to immerse it before using it. To which the immerse is interesting, Tvila in Herav Shemesh Lo. So it sounds like from the Mishnah, all I'm obligated to do is immerse it in the mikvah. Right, but it does not require hair of Shemesh. Right, so most remember again, all I need to do sounds like, so again, let's just play this out. What are we concerned about? The Amar is fashioning the Kli, sorry, the Chaver is making the Kli, some of the saliva got on the Kli, possibly, before the Kli was finished, remained moist after the Kli was finished, and therefore, in order to go ahead and just make sure that this Kli is fit for use for Kodesh, what do we do? Immerse it in the Mikvah. That's all. Just immerse it before use for Kodesh. So it's interesting. So all you need to do is immerse it, but you don't have to wait for nightfall. Right? So again, I, so I, I want to use it on a Friday. I want to use it on a Friday. So all I do is I immerse it in the mikvah, and I can use it for Kodesh that day. I don't require hair of Shemesh. Now, this is interesting. To which the Gemara says, Masnisin So our Mishnah obviously does not reflect the view of, sorry, Rabbi Eliezer. The Gimars, listen to this. This is fascinating. This nan. Shvalferes shechatcha lechatos. So we'll say, here's an interesting case. Shvalferes will say is a tube. So this is incredible. How do they transport ashes of paraduma? 
you would take a tube, a reed. You cut down a reed, hollow out the reed. The reed is actually naturally hollow, but hollow it out a little bit more. Put the ashes inside of the reed and transport it like that. I mean, you could transport it however you want, but that's the case here. I cut down a reed to use it ultimately to transport ashes of paraduma. So what's the halacha? So the Gemara says, Rabbi Eliezer, Omer Yitbal Miyad. So Rabbi Eliezer says, we'll say, look at Rashi, Yitbal Miyad, Shekol Tashmishi Para Suyim Bekli HaMekabal Tumat Tu'unin Tvila V'kodun Sharaif Shimshay Yishtam Bishon LaParadua. We'll say, by the way, this is a little bit of a throwback to Meseches Yuma. Do you remember again, Yuma Daf Be'ez Amadalif? Of course, right? So remember again, both say, remember again, we had the whole sugi there of para aduma, right? And the idea of Bezim Abbez already, Kli Gilalim, we had all of this. Para aduma had this fascinating situation where anything that's used for para aduma, we use for a tvul yom, right? So remember again, the coin is going to do the para aduma with dafke metamehim, with tumas sheretz, then take him to the mikvah, take him to, it's crazy, take him to the mikvah, and go ahead and have him do the service of the paraduma as a tvul. Remember again, a tvulim is a person who has gone to the mikvah, but has not yet experienced sunset. Why do we do that? Remember again, why do we do that? Lahotzi, we're going to see this now. Lahotzi miliban shal tzdukim. In order to show the tzdukim there, because the tzdukim, those who did not believe in Tarsha Baal said that a tvul yom is not permitted to do paraduma. To show, to show that tzdukim were wrong, everything that's part of the paraduma process is a tfulyom. So that's, that's what I was referencing over here. So Rabbi Lezer, or Meryitbal. So Rabbi Lezer says, you have to immerse the reed tube. Because anything used, anything used in the service of the paraduma is immersed that day. Is immersed that day and used before nightfall. Rabbi Yeshua Omer, Yitma va'achakach Yitbal. Rabbi Yeshua says, no, 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 it's not just enough to go ahead and immerse it. What do you have to do? You have to be metameyet. In other words, I will say, something is only called a tvul yom if it was what? Tame. In other words, if you have a reed tube that, that just you cut down and you hollow it out and you, just, and you immerse it, that's not called a tvul yom. You have to be metameyet and then you immerse it. Vavinan ba, dechat chaman. And we asked, who's cutting down the reed? If you want to say that the chaver cut it down, why do I need immersion? After all, again, if the chaver's on cutting it down, the chaver's vigilant. Why do I need any type of immersion? And ultimately, again, it must be what? That an ama aretz went ahead and cut it down. To which the Gemara says, If that's the case that the ama aretz is cutting it down, Rabbi, say, then what? Why does Rabbi Yoshua say you have to be metame the reed? If an ama arts is cutting it down, then what? Then what? It's tame already. Just so, just say it's tame and just immerse it. What's the case? The case over here is where a chaver, right? Tam tchacham cut it down, cut down the reed. Aye, so if that's the case, what are we concerned about? We're concerned ultimately again. I should say, we're concerned about again the saliva. We'll say, apparently it's amaaret saliva everywhere, right? So, so lemaisa again, we're just concerned about droplets of saliva getting on this reed. To which the Gemara says, I don't understand. Dinafal, imas, right? When when is the saliva falling on the reed? If you want to say it fell on the reed before the reed was cut down, that's not a problem. Halav manu. The boss say it's not a kli. 
if it's not a kli, if it's not a utensil, then ultimately the saliva poses no problem. Ve'ela, basr dechadcha. It must be after you cut down the reed. But after I cut down the reed, says the Gemara, mishar zohir ba. Ultimately, again, a person is going to be concerned about it. To say after it's cut down, it's a kli. After it's a kli, bepashtos the chaver is going to be very careful. To which the Gemara says, "You're right." In reality, we're concerned about the saliva falling on the reed even before you cut it down. And what's the problem? And about say the concern is because maybe. Even though the saliva fell on the reed before it was cut, before it was detached, perhaps the saliva will still be moist even after it is detached, and therefore it can go ahead and convey tumor. So, so therefore, again, a parallel machlokis, again, just, just to point out over here, it's the par- so remember, our Mishnah was talking about a case of Kalin Shnigmuru Batara. You have a Kli that was fashioned and fully formed and completed in a state of ritual purity. Yet the Mishnah said what? What are you obligated to do? You have to immerse before using it for Kodesh. Why? What are we concerned about? We're concerned about saliva of an Amaretz getting on the Kli, getting on the Kli when? 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 Before it's completed, but yet still remaining moist after it's completed as well. To which the Gemara just points out, interestingly enough, this same discussion is occurring by the reed tube for the para aduma. To which the Gemara says, So what's according to Rabbi Yoshua, so now we're transitioning for a moment to para aduma. So remember again, by para aduma, here's what I had. I cut down a reed tube in order to go ahead and use it to transport the ashes of the paraduma. So I have machlokis, Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yoshua, what I do with the tube? Rabbi Eliezer says, immerse it in the mikvah. Rabbi Yoshua says, no, you can't just immerse it in the mikvah. What do you have to do? What do you have to do? You have to make it tame and then immerse it in the mikvah. To which the Gemara says, Rabbi Yoshua, hainu litztukin. So Rabbi Yoshua's position makes sense. Right? Rabbi Yoshua says, make it tame and then immerse it. That makes sense. Why? Because that is repudiating the position of the tzedukim. Because what did the tzedukim? This, this now, because we're under the Mishnah. Metamin hayu esa Right? So they would go ahead and, here you can see, Yuma Bezim Adalif. Metamin esa hayu esa koin, first Mishnah in Yuma. They would purposely be metame, the koin, who was burning the paraduma. In order to repudiate the position of Tzadukim, remember again that Tzadukim held that that Paraduma could only be done after Her of Shemesh, because they did not believe in Tarshabal Peh. We know, based on Drushas, that Allah even a Tvul Yom could do paraduma. So they purposely be metame the Kohen. Again, as with too much sheres, we'll see. They purposely metame him, take him to the mikvah, and let him do paraduma even before sunset. As the Gemara says, so contrary Yeshua, this makes sense. So therefore, what would they do with the reed? Contrary Yeshua, they would be metame it. Right now it's tame. Take it to the mikvah. Now it's a tvul yom. And use it even before sunset. El Rabbi Eliezer. I amrit bishlama ba'alma ba'inan herev shemesh. So what was I say, crying to the Yezra, I don't understand. If you hold in general that Kalim require hair of Shemesh, 
before being used, then fine. Then there is a repudiation of the position of the tzdukim. So the Gemara says, Ela, i amrit shemesh, but in general, halacha lamaisa, again, you don't require harav shemesh, that again, kalim that are finished pitara can be used immediately, then my hakerlet tzdukin ika. Then at the end of the day, how does his approach repudiate the position of the tzdukim? Amarav, Amadez, Rav says, Aso Kitame Sheretz. So ultimately, again, they made it like Tomas Sheretz. Now, we'll say, now what does that mean? Take a look at Rashi. Tabashi, Chav Gimel Amadez, says Rashi, Aso Kitame Sheretz, the Olam Ba'alma, Lo Bai Herav Shemesh, Rabbi Lazar, Lekelem, Hagimar, Mataro. In reality, I will say, in general circumstances, Rabbi Lazar does not, if, when you have Kalim, that are finished betara, Rabbi Eliezer does not require hair of Shemesh before using them. This is fascinating. The Gemara suggests that according to Rabbi Eliezer, this tube, this, this reed, being this reed too being used for paraduma, Chazal made it like it came in contact with the sheretz. They endowed it with sheretz tumah, and therefore again Abu say, Therefore, once you take it to the mikvah, you've taken care of the sheretz tumah. It's a tzvul yom, and it's okay for use. So I'll say. So again, so just understand the incredible chiddush over here. We're gonna we're gonna delve into this a bit. So according to Eliezer, it's not tameh. It's not really tameh, but they made it like it's tameh. Right, they endowed it with some with Thomas Sheretz, to which the Gemara says, "Okay." So if that's the case, Elame Ato Lo Tetame Adam. So I'll say if that's the case, that they only made the reed like Thomas Sheretz, then Lamaisa again it should not convey Tuma to a person. If that's the case, Alamatanya Chotcha Umatbila Taun Tvila. Right. So ultimately, again, we'll say if that's the case, then why does it say? that the person who cuts down the reed has to what? Has to go to the mikvah as well. Quite fascinating. Right? Look at Rashi. So we'll say, if that's the case, that according to Eliezer, the Chiddush of years that Chazal said, when you cut down the reed to house the ashes, Chazal conferred upon it a level of Tumas Sheretz, well, Tumas Sheretz doesn't convey Tumat to people. Right? If that's the case, then the person who touches the reed shouldn't become Tameh. Here's the problem. The problem is the Bryce says the person who cuts down the reed has to go to the mikveh as well. So we'll say, watch this. This is really fascinating. Wow. They made the reed like Tumas Mace. So we'll say, this is Xera. It's Xera. They made the reed like Tumas Rashi. It's Tumamase. They made the reed like the reed has to. We'll say, now again, remember, what, what did this reed do? What did this reed do? Nothing, right? Remember, according to Rabbi Eliezer, this is a, it, it's Xera. It's just a conferred Tumas. It's not an actual Tumas. It's a conferred Tumas. They conferred the status of Tumas Mace upon this reed. And that's why Halacha Lamaisa, you have to immerse it. And that's why if you touch it, you have to go to the mikvah as well. Well, one second. One second. Ihaki, if that's the case, that you're telling me that this reed has the status of Tomas Meis, Tibai Hazaz Shlishi Ushvi. 
Oh, one second. Tumas Mace. Tumas Mace. Tumas Mace. It's something dramatically different. We'll say Tumas Mace has a seven-day purification process with sprinkling of paraduma on days three and day seven. So what's going on over here? What are you talking about? Alama time, if that's the case, it says, Chotcha umat bila, ta'unt vila. So we'll say, what did, and what does the Brisa say? The Brisa said, when you cut down the reed, the reed requires immersion, and the person who cut down the reed also requires immersion. Tvila in hazaz shlishi ilo. It only requires, right? So I'll say, all it requires is immersion. Doesn't require sprinkling on days three and day seven. So what's going on over here? Ella, so I'll say, so again, I just want to point out all of this. So I'll say, right now, what we've done is, we've totally focusing on the position of Rabbi Eliezer. Because according to Rabbi Yoshua, we have no problem. According to Rabbi Yoshua, we're mitami the reed to masheretz and immerse it like that. We're trying to figure out according to Rabbi Eliezer. Rabbi Eliezer is saying that Allah, you don't have to be actively mitami the reed. You just go ahead and immerse it. But, we, but we'll say in order for this practice to repudiate the position of the tztukim, the reed has to be tame. So how is the reed tame? To which the Gemara suggests that according to Rabbi Eliezer is something amazing. According to Rabbi Eliezer, Chazal conferred Tumas Mace upon the reed, right? The reed is considered to be tummy to masmisa, therefore the reed has to be immersed and the person who cuts down the reed. But I don't understand, if the person who cuts down the reed is touching the reed and the reed has conferred Tomas mace, Tomas mace has a seven-day purification process. How is simply immersing in the mikvah enough? Tikrit the Gemara says, listen to this. Ella, this is wild. Ella, suha ki tamay meis bishri We'll say, watch this. They made the reed, tamay Tomas mace, but like Tuma on the seventh day. Tuma on the seventh day. So they applied to the reed seventh day Tumas Mace. They will say something on the seventh day of his Tuma. What does it require? What does it require? Just immersion. By the way, it's assuming seventh day after you sprinkled, right? So after you did your third and seventh day sprinkling, they, made, they, they conferred upon it Tumas Mace of the seventh day after the sprinkling occurred, which means all it requires is immersion in the mikvah. Okay, to which the Gemara says, I'll tell you the problem with this. What time we learned? It's a general principle that Chazal did not make any chidushin by paraduma. What that means, look at Rashi. Right across Rashi. Listen to this very quickly. Chazal, as much as Chazal were machmir with paraduma, they did not invent new levels of tuma. And this sounds like a new. This sounds like a new invention of tuma. To which For example, Abaye says. No one ever said that a shovel becomes Tamei Tumas Moshev. Both say, what's Tumas Moshev? If a Zav sits on something, right, sits on something, even if he doesn't have direct contact, let's say he sits on a pile of cushions, the entire pile becomes Tamei. But I both say, Tumas Moshev only applies to something that you normally sit upon. For example, if a Zav sits on a shovel, the shovel does not contract Tomas Moshev. Kidisanya, Vayoshev ala kli. Vayoshev, right? The person, right? The Pasik says, person, Zav sits on a kli, it becomes Tame Tomas Moshev. Yachol kafas av yashavala tarkav yashavala ye tame. You might have to do it if you take a measuring utensil. Sa'a is measuring utensil, tarkov is measuring utensil, and you overturn it and you sit on it, then it will become Tame. Tamunobar vayoshev ala kli asher yeshev alav yitma. Mishem yuchad yeshiva. 
Interestingly enough, Tomas Moshev only applies to something that is normally fit for sitting. So for example, to say that Tomas Moshev should apply to a shovel that the Zav sits on, I will say, that's a Chiddush. That's a Chiddush. So what the Gemara is suggesting is as follows. That Allah Chalamaisa, when Chazal don't, when we say that Chazal don't invent new levels of Tumah, that's invention of things that don't exist. What they can do are manipulate categories that already do exist. So for example, Abosai, the ability to say, according to Abelieza, the ability to say that the reed has the Tumah status of Tumah's mace of day seven after the sprinkling has occurred, which means all that it requires is what? Is tevila is not a new category of tumah. It's just simply a manipulation of an already existing category. That chazal are allowed to do. Creation of new categories, you can't do. Ultimately, manipulation of existing categories, you can do. And therefore, I will say again, it turns out that in the Machlokis, Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yoshua, that ultimately, again, you have Rabbi Eliezer saying that Allah, you don't have to actively be metame the reed. Why not? Why not? Because Chazal conferred upon it a level of Tomas Mace already. What level of Tomas Mace? Seventh day after the last sprinkling, all that's left is immersion. Immerse it. You could use it that day because we want to use a Tvul Yom for Paraduma in order to repudiate the position of the Tzadukim. Rabbi Yoshua, on the other hand, saying, no, when you cut down the reed, you have to be Metamiyat. How are you Metamiyat? Be Metamiyat with Tomas Sheretz. Ultimately, again, then immerse it in the mikvah and halacha lamaisa use it that day once again to repudiate the position of the tztukim. They even a tvul yom could be used for a We'll stop over here. Shkoyach.